0: Well, indeed, into the stars tonight. It's getting dark. We are about one hour away from the curfew on this 9th of March. Welcome at Radio for BrainPod DAB plus 747, 828 kilowatts AM in the medium wave band, and of course on the internet radioforbrainpod.org. And I'm not sure what for you were the major points in the news. A hack on the security of people working in the criminal uh, scene of the Sky ECC uh, crypto phones, military exercises. If you live in the Meerhoven area, you may have heard these uh, activities around Eindhoven Airpo- Airport, a fire at ABN AMRO. Or was the news for you what is already news for a long time, for a year? corona times and that's the topic for tonight well indeed we will debate about how we communicate in corona times and for that we have a couple of guests peter hermans of yakayima.eu you call this organization matchmakers in innovation a conference organizer peter will there be any live conference in 2021 for you
1: we plan to have something uh, november december but
0: even then i'm not sure So we would really love to hear in this program what you are organizing then in this year. We also have Odette Raas, a faculty member at the Eindhoven University of Technology, the Department of Electrical Engineering. Not only a teacher, but also active in improving education at the university. And Odette, I've read in one of your columns for Cursor that you ask students not to switch off video. Are you addicted to seeing the faces of students?
2: I would like to say that, but even with this very uh, strong appeal to students to, to their conscience to turn on the cameras, it didn't work. They actually are, I'm still sitting in the dark. That's the reality.
0: Yeah, that's what I did when I did my uh, courses. Uh, just hide beca- behind a book and just do c- completely different <laughs> things by following a lecture. And now we do that online. Carrie yeah. Vich is also um, in our program co-host, but also an expert on mass communication. We know that she's a Bollywood fan. Because that's what we heard last week. Um, but today we will be talking about communication, professional communication. And if video off is the norm, Odette cannot see who is listening to his talk. We should all almost everyone should now have an education as a news anchor man because you just have to talk in front of a camera without seeing anyone. Good
3: Carrie. evening everyone. Good evening. Uh, Paul, communication is a very broad field, which not only considers why and how a message is created, but the medium through which it is sent. According to a very famous lustful model of communication, communication can be defined as who says what to whom, with what effect. So in my opinion, running a successful virtual meeting does not require you to be a trained TV anchor. Quickly, I'll tell you it requires two things. Think like a journalist, five W's and one H. We can discuss this in our uh, upcoming session. And second, choose the right technology, updated tools like Microsoft Teams for collaboration.
0: And we will hear much more about this in the coming yeah. hour, particularly uh, to see whether that is what Odette is also promoting at uh, the university. And a victim of all this, if I may so <laughs> <laughs> say so, Limi Kalapuracal, student at the university, you can raise your voice also at Cursor, um, looking forward to being live in a class and not being able to have to uh, to just walk away or switch off the videos. I'm uh, definitely uh, really looking
4: forward to being live in class again and meeting people and seeing an uh, experience team lecture in person. But it's also nice to sometimes just like, take a break when not supposed to take a break without the professors knowing. So <laughs> I hope Odette isn't going to sue me on this.
2: No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I realize it's how it works.
0: So that's promising. Um, an interesting discussion, Carrie. With your background in communication, I would say, it. please take the floor and see um, how you can learn from either Peter or Odette.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Go Thank ahead. you, Paul. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So my first question goes to uh, Peter. Yes. Yes, Peter. Uh, what kind of challenges are you facing? You know, very basic. What challenges are you facing, or your organization is facing during these uh, during the pandemic?
1: Well, t- traditionally we organise uh, lots of all our conferences are international, which means we have an international audience, and that's not just from let's say outside the the borders in the Netherlands, but all over Europe and even from Asia and the US. Um, so the challenge was when you move from a traditional conference to a, a online situation: is first of all, um, uh, will people join in, um, and uh, from commercial perspective can't ask the same amount of money. So a challenge was that my revenue of my company went uh, down pretty quickly last year. So we had to rethink our approach and we decided to uh, continue obviously online, but also and and want to keep and maintain the same quality as we had, Um, but uh, increase the number of conferences because despite what everybody thinks that online means that more people will join, that's not particularly the case because online means also, well, you know, I don't have to make a schedule because the, uh, and when you to go to a traditional conference, you have to fill in, you have to have a day, you have to travel a day, you have to have a day off, etc. But if you're online, you just do it from the couch. And uh, so it's easy not to come or maybe to register and even then not to come. So these are the challenges we are facing now many more, but um, mm-hmm. at the same token, I really enjoy being online and having an online conference. Um, uh, initially, I had, had it difficult because I don't have a clue who is who is in the conference, who was in the room, or in in in, in the, at the in the audience. But uh, I do like it, and it's it's very easy, and you can add things, and you can well, you can do other things than than uh, the traditional conference.
0: And you even started a television station. There. Yes. Yes, we yes. started uh, as part of the ambition of YAKAYIMA because it's a way of spreading knowledge?
1: Yes, Um, well there are two reasons, Uh, or many reasons. One thing is I had some time left last year, so over I mean, because everything was suddenly nothing, there was nothing happening anymore. So I said let's start doing interviews with people on YouTube. Uh, So we made our YAKAYIMA TV YouTube channel. And uh, I have no experience whatsoever in (laughs) in interviewing etc. Mm-hmm. but i really enjoyed it and uh, and i thought we create content which is in addition to the to the uh, the content we have as a conference organizer so that's what we've done and uh, we're still growing and now we have almost 300 followers uh, subscribers and we have around 150 160 videos and um, it's really it's fun to see this growing and i i still th- learn i'm still learning what to do with it and we use it for in our social media and in our Conference or uh, conference content, so to speak. So it's, it's really uh, very enjoyable.
0: But mainly as a promotion for your conferences,
1: uh, or, or
0: also with a business model behind it. Do you run commercials in between the scientific talks?
1: Well, you know, it's it's when you are a YouTube channel, you have to have a uh, hundred thousand subscribers. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not by far not that. I haven't reached that. So. Uh, commercially wise, it's not interesting in the sense of making money directly, but indirectly, we yeah, notice that people, yeah,
3: yeah.
1: people come come from the video to our website, to the conference website, and from there they they uh, and uh, there are some videos very very successful, over uh, 1,500, 2,000 uh, uh, views, so that's not bad.
0: Carry with with the... f- yeah, me go ahead.
4: Yeah, with respect to organizing the conferences, more of a practical question, but have you felt like, for example, if there's people from Asia and, like, for example, Australia and then Europe and the um, US, has it been difficult to sort of manage the time differences? Has that been a problem?
1: Not really funny enough. Today we had our 4D printing conference. And what we, we do, we plan our conference. from It's four hours. So a one-day conference is now condensed to four hours. We planned from 2 to from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and we had speakers from Japan, Australia, and then from Melbourne, so 10 hours time difference. We had speaker from uh, I think well uh, Montreal um, and attendees from even San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So, uh, funny enough, that time slot fits pretty well. Although I must Mm -hmm. admit, the Australians when we ended, it was. Six o'clock here, which means four o'clock in the morning there. So it is somewhat tough. It's no. interesting
2: this topic because we had a conference in uh, in December, which was delayed from September, but we had a big conference in uh, which online, of course. And then the uh, the organizers together decided to have double sessions, so actually broadcast everything twice, mornings and evenings, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that that seemed to resonate very well with the with the audiences. So. Okay. That was something we did for the first time ever. I think. It was yeah. Well, it,
1: it, to be honest, I've thought about it, and and uh, but I haven't. We haven't done it yet. Um, yeah. Because then you have to also edit the videos, and you have. Sure. And, yeah. and, uh, we are a small company, so I don't. We don't have all the facilities to do this immediately, and. Uh, so that's, that's an issue where, where, where we think about that.
0: Mm, but then it is indeed a repetition of a recording. What yeah. I see happening in some companies, the larger companies here in the region, and then you may know which one I'm talking about, uh, that even for large events where um, the, the president, the CEO has a certain message that these webcasts are really done twice live just mm. because of the, the value of being live. Yeah. Do, you, or that, do you also see that in education, that, that yeah. being live in front of your students makes a difference compared to watching a movie on YouTube uh, about how you uh, were teaching last yeah. year?
2: Yeah, it's a very interesting question. I just uh, had a quick survey with students last week about this. and um, So I have uh, the privilege, actually, as a teacher to actually go live. It, it is, uh, and not just go live uh, in, sitting at home like I do now, actually go live in the, in the lecture room. So one of the, some of the courses in the university have been designated must must teach or something like this, which so means that I have to be on, on, on site. Originally it was the idea that students also will be allowed but with the current lockdown, it's not possible. And I was, I, I actually teach in, a, in the lecture room live. And uh, it, it's a very, very bizarre experience, I have to admit, because you stand in front of an empty room with a camera and the seating mm. looking at you. Um, but then again, um, it feels very natural because that's our natural environment as teachers. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to stand in front of a class and if their students are not, yeah, Jean-Paul, you know yourself, sometimes you stand for a class and there's still students they still don't care, right?
0: Yeah, well, and sometimes you're teaching something which uh, not all the students can absorb at that moment. But for me, feedback is very important. And I've seen that over and over. We also noticed that when we invite people to make a radio show, just talking in front of an empty wall is very difficult. I know from a colleague, he got awards for teaching, for his quality of teaching. Uh, He was liked a lot by by, uh, his students, excellent evaluations. That's why he got this award. But when I asked them, please record a few uh, uh, pieces <laughs> of text for me at home, it was crap. Yeah, yeah. So it's very hard yeah, to do that.
2: It's very hard to do it. And uh, mm. what, what keeps me alive, in a in sense, in, the, in these live lectures, because they're streamed as well. So <clears throat> the audience sees me, but there's a delay. I'm running a Discord j- server on my laptop. And students send me comments while I talk and ask me questions. So I don't feel alone. I always tell the students at the end of the lecture... Uh, while I stand here alone, I don't feel alone because you're there with me. You are actually uh, giving me the questions to... you feeding me with questions, so I actually have something to talk about. Otherwise, you really, otherwise you really feel alone. So, the, the, the technology helps. Huh? It, it's, it's, it really helps in, in that way.
0: We haven't heard from Carrie. Yeah, you are an I expert was, in mass communication. I was waiting
3: so. for the conversation. It was very interesting conversation, so I've, I was kind of uh, waiting for the conversation to end. I want to come back to Peter. Mm. I wanted to ask, uh, Peter, how did you manage organizations to sign up for your e-conferences? We just heard that you have your own channel, and how did you kind of, you know, in the beginning? To, well, well, yeah. well,
1: well tr- Traditionally, we, we, we have we have done everything. We we've done everything online, so we don't we don't advertise or something. So mm. we have a pretty strong. Uh, we built a pretty strong email databases over the years. We have a pretty strong uh, Twitter account. We have our Yakayima account is over 51,000 followers. Uh, we have many LinkedIn groups, professional groups or focus groups,
5: okay. and, even,
1: and on Facebook, we have some, we had more, but we, we decided to, to kill this because it's, it doesn't fit with our audience. So, and we have a very, let's say sort of, we have de- developed a sort of approach how to, uh, to to reach people. And the only difference now is the fact that the conference was somewhere in 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 the Netherlands or in Europe or even in the US or we even once had an Australian conference um, but uh, now the difference is it's online so there is not much difference the only difference for them for the attendees is the price is quite it's quite a difference
3: different yeah.
1: Because originally it was 300 let's say around 300 euro 350 euro and now we have a price of 95 euros for a day one day conference so but
3: you are able to reach larger audiences, isn't it like in as a communication, if i if I talk on the basis of you know as a PR expert, my audience target audience, that horizon uh, Im- improves. It, it has increased.
1: yes, but as i as I mentioned uh, earlier, is that the funny enough, it's not automatically this that the, the numbers increase when you go online because the the thresholds uh, not to go, not to come uh, or not to register at all are much lower because, when you go to a conference somewhere in your country or uh, abroad, I mean, physical conference, then you have to take into account, you have to travel, you have to take yeah. the day yeah. of the office, so you have to you have to make your calendar, your agenda blank, because then at that day, I am at the conference. Online, who cares? I mean, probably the same count, uh, same counts for, for giving uh, teaching is that people do some other things uh, during the conference. I'm pretty sure that at the conference we had today, but some of the attendees did some other things so during the conference. So it's 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 easier not to do something, not to act, not to go, whatever. And and you also notice that people register much later than for a traditional conference.
0: Peter Hammels is our guest on the radio for Brainpot. Design, culture, entertainment
6: and lifestyle from the city of light.
0: But of course also Odette Raas, and Karis Veech. We will continue to talk about this topic, professional communication, in a few minutes.
6: I could bet on New Year's Eve, he called me up at night. From the other side of the world, Ed was always there alright. Ed's got the looks of a movie star has got the smile of a prince. He rides a bike instead of a car. I wanna be his friend. Dancing in the living room with the lady so nice. Like a child with the wisdom truth. It's just a friend of mine. Has got the ring. He goes and runs.
0: music on Radio for BrainPod. Uh, Limi, when you're taking classes, would that be a good idea to interrupt all the uh, math by a song every now and then? Limi yeah, Kalapurachal is one of our guests in this uh, program on Radio for BrainPod. Yeah, sure.
4: I, I
5: think it'd
0: be fun. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Odette Ras, He teaches at the university. Peter Hermans, he organizes conferences. And we have Karish Vich. Okay. So, Odette, uh,
3: I have a question for you. Do you foresee a crisis like this making online education more palatable or appealing to teachers?
2: Yeah, I think, I think when uh, you would talk to teachers two, three years ago about online education, um, they will be very skeptic and, and both basically suggest it's not going to work. I think when, when the crisis hit us, I think the University of Eindhoven showed enormous resiliency. I think we were one of the first universities to switch completely to online, uh, which was an amazing accomplishment. The fact that students didn't have to delay their exams, we figured it out somehow on the shoestring. Um, and then uh, as, as the uh, routine set in of online education, you saw um, the, the, this, this becoming more of a challenge. Students became tired of online content, so it was fun in the first time, and then it became tiring, and you had to innovate all the time to keep them engaged.
0: What I found interesting there, Odette, is there was a time that the university was preaching, we want to have the inverted classroom, because the speculation was that a teacher at uh, University College London at MIT could teach math better than you could do, that. I could do, that any teacher at the, in Eindhoven could do, because these pre-recorded classes would be better, and that the only task of a university teacher, university professor, would be to entertain and to engage and to, uh, to, to have one-on-one interaction. Is, is Corona teaching us that that vision is true?
2: Uh, I think it's going too far. I think it, it, it teaches us that content is, is always is out there, regardless if it's a video you make or a video made by a professor in MIT. I think that it's very clear to me that students learn much more by talking to each other. That's the number one means of, of learning. And this, hap- this happens first and foremost in the classroom. And they talk to each other. So when my students, when they used to talk in the classroom, I wouldn't get upset because usually I would understand they're explaining to each other what I just said that they couldn't figure out on themselves. So... Limi, can
0: you yeah. confirm that? Yeah. Limi, can you confirm that? <laughs>
3: Most of the time, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we can, can we say that, yeah, online teaching is uh, really effectively me for you as a student, yeah? Mm, I think I agree with Audit in the fact that initially
4: it was like, oh, it's something new, it's super cool and, you know, it's so different. But however, over time, it gets a bit like too monotonous and you get a bit like, okay, another online lecture. And I think especially when it's not a live lecture, when it's recorded, pre-recorded and then just uploaded it feels like, okay, I have to find my own time. Although there's an allocated time for it in the schedule, it's still like, oh, I need to find my time, and just watch this. And just it just feels sort of alone in that sense. Although, you know, you can just email the professor with a question, but instead yeah. if it's a live lecture, there's a live chat at the same moment and you can just like type in your question there and the professor
3: asks you, oh, do you have any questions? and it's a bit more interactive as much as you can get. In yeah, it. less connection basically with the teacher and with the other students, right. isn't it?
1: Yeah. Is yeah. there is there, an, is there an opportunity for students to, let's say to uh, during a break or something, or uh, to discuss with them like like what, what Audet said, is that they have to talk to each other?
4: Well, but actually one of my courses. Simulated
1: in, in online? Uh...
4: Yeah, one of the courses that I did, which was an elective, which is actually also a first-year course for some other department, I followed a course and um, that professor, what they did, especially for first-year students. I think it's quite important that they know each other, meet each other. Um, so what they did was in the breaks, they would make breakout rooms so that we can just turn on the videos and just have a chat, drink a coffee together in the breakout rooms. And that I thought was was really nice, especially for first-year students so that they can just meet the uh, students. If they have doubts about the topic, they can ask that, of course. But I think it was more about just getting to know each other and just sharing Just, yeah, just talking about, complaining about corona and, yeah, just, it was, that was really nice. That was a really good idea. Yeah.
5: Yeah. But otherwise,
4: yeah, otherwise, for my normal lectures, where it's just my own mates, we don't really have much of an interaction opportunity there, now. Mm.
0: Mm. Peter, does that learn you something for how to organize a conference, an online conference? Because they are also... Sometimes you go to a conference just to meet other people and to have a chat over a cup of coffee, and, and that is sometimes as important as listening to the stories. Because you yeah. could as well read a paper.
1: Yeah, that's true. So what what um, you mean, just told about the breakout rooms, that's what we do. So we have in the, the, the traditional breaks we have traditionally, I mean, when you go to a coffee machine, grab a cup of coffee, start talking with, with one of the other attendees. We do this uh, in in our online conferences Is that we in the break, we move people to breakout rooms and uh, and they can they can move to another one if they like. Um, And and then they start some sometimes a discussion starts. Sometimes you need a moderator because nobody starts talking. But indeed, there are some very interesting, let's say out of the five rooms that we have in in a meeting, two or three have interaction, have discussions, have some fun. And two are completely blank, nothing is, everything is turned, everybody has turned off their video. <laughs> so, but, that is, but that's in reality the same. I mean, if you go to a yeah. conference, not, not everybody starts talking with some, some, someone, somebody else. They, they are somewhere in the corner and watching their, their, their screen or whatever, or making a phone call or just uh, uh, taking a cigarette or something. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. a, it's a sort of simulation of, of real life. So that's what we try.
0: Let, let's take a specific example. Yesterday was International Women Day. Peter, uh, we met each other at the Female Tech Heroes event. And then we yeah. started to talk about conferences in the region for the first time. That was an event at the high-tech campus, launching the idea of female tech heroes, promoting the role of women in innovation. I think yeah. that is par excellence an example of a conference where networking is the key thing. Would such a thing be possible in corona times? Would there be an alternative for this to get inspired by each other much more than listen to talks? Well, I don't,
1: I, in honesty, I don't think so. I think uh, that, that you really need, uh, I mean, to have a real interaction and real networking and, and, and a sort, sort of enthusiasm, you need to be uh, live. I think uh, there are... We got, I mean, we get a lot of uh, uh, mails and of all sorts of companies starting with all sorts of tools. And in all honesty, I wait and listen and see and stick to Zoom because we, I love Zoom to be honest, sure. because all those tools, I, I don't, I don't feel happy with that yet. It mm-hmm. takes maybe two years before those tools are really state of the art, but that's my, maybe I'm too conservative. I don't know. But. Uh, and in the end, a live conference is, is, is as far as networking uh, is concerned, by far the best.
0: So a conference... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, particularly, Kerry, but... that's exactly a topic where I would think that you may have some comments on no. how mass communication uh, links I to wa- conferences. I wanted
3: to actually uh, ask Peter, how do you, uh, Peter, see the world changing in the way we will be communicating in the future?
1: Um, well, in the way we... C- I do do hope, in all honesty, that we won't return to what we've had. Because I do think that a lot of, uh, uh, let's say, conferences... uh, Well, well, let's let's do another thing. Uh, Maybe somewhere in July, August last year, there was an article in the Dutch newspaper, the Volkskrant, written by a professor from the University of Nijmegen about the ridiculousness of having those huge academic conferences uh, where you go for three, four thousand people uh, travel all over the world, where is you can do that, mimic that online, much better for the uh, for the environment, uh, uh, and maybe a little bit, bit uh, less, uh, not so, not as good as, as as far as networking is concerned. But as knowledge exchange, it's enough. So I hope that people will think about it, and I I think myself that we won't go, we I won't go back to only uh, live conferences anymore. I think we will do maybe half life and and stick to the, uh, the online ones or have maybe even something like we do we one an online one and year two we do the live one and and those sort of things
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: that's why I think it, it should go but I'm not sure whether it'll help because generally people want to meet, want to move, want to see other people. Yeah, verbal
3: and non-verbal communication aspects come into practice then. Yeah, When you actually, you know, um, I I used to work for a PR agency and uh, for my clients, I used to make sure that I go and meet the the media or the journalists to convince them about the story or or about the feature that needs to be covered for the client. So definitely, yeah. meeting in person and the body language and the tone, everything uh, really uh, you know it's matters. Important. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's important. Really
0: yeah, but it, yeah. It, uh, let me throw in a critical note here as well, and let me not take the scientific community, but the world of authors of books, because it was a cartoon book. A cartoon, I think it was also in the Volkskant, uh, where um, two people at uh, the coffee corner at the conference uh, start to chat with each other, and one asks the other what kind of books do you read and the answer was read a book i'm an author and i also <laughs> noticed from 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 many students doing their phd they go to a conference and they are very nervous to tell their story and they're yeah. almost blind and deaf to the other stories and are just there to present and almost yeah. have the idea after my talk is over i go home and that of yeah. course does not work eh? for sure carrie yeah. communication is not only transmitting it's also okay. listening absolutely true true
3: and networking is as important
0: yeah no. Yeah. Oh, that that must have also consequences for how you teach at the university I see you on a video stream here with a nice microphone in front of you you're gonna yeah. make uh, produce content transmit more
2: yeah yeah it, the, the the channels for receive for me are are predominantly uh, what I do a lot is I use the as I said I use I use Discord for for uh, feedback with students, which is extremely effective. So they and at some point for some un- unknown reason I think students are familiar with Discord because it's a it's a natural f- gaming environment for them. Uh, they very comfortable on Discord. I get sometimes I get messages. I said I don't think they should send these kind of messages. I think <laughs> a son- Sunday evening I was uh, I was late in posting some of the course material for the next week and I got. I wouldn't say angry comments, but uh, a bit unsatisfied the <laughs> suggestion for students that I should be a bit quicker with posting the content. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had at some point, I said, how dare they? But then I said, yeah, it's it's very familiar. You know, you become, a, you're a bit of friends with them. The the, the distance has is, is gone from, from me standing in front of a classroom to us sharing a server on Discord. So,
3: so you are uh, saying it's an informal kind of relationship that you have uh, kind of discovered with the students, isn't it?
2: In a way, it is, and I don't mind it uh, as long as there are certain boundaries kept. But um, I, I think what, it, what helps me in that context, okay, so sometimes they get a bit too pushy, but okay, uh, they're young people, they are under a lot of pressure, I don't have any problem with that. But um, it also means that when they have a question, they will just ask it. And then we know all as teachers in the classroom, you ask questions, is it all clear? Nobody raises their hand. Nobody really dares. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm hallucinating. Maybe our student here should say something about it. But they never raise a hand, so you don't know if they know it. But now, they will just throw the question to the chat and the, on the server. It's it's much more interactive. So in that respect, it works very well.
0: Let me. You raise your hand, in
4: class. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no,
4: actually, I can I can relate to that as a student from a student perspective. I can also see that you know sometimes in a lecture I feel like okay this question might just be really stupid. I think most students do this about every question they think of. I just think, okay, it's really stupid to ask in front of the class. Whereas when I'm in a Teams meeting, I'm like, okay, no one knows. I mean, people know who I may, might know who I am, but no one can see my face. No yeah, <laughs> one can embarrassingly laugh at me. I don't see their face <laughs> when yeah. they ask me my question. I'm just yeah. going to type it out. Where and then, surprisingly you- enough, like people react with like a thumbs up or something. Yeah. They also have the same question. So yeah. then that's that's quite relieving. I and mean, then the teacher also answers the question. So in that sense, I think I think it's it's really helpful and also last year when the when the uh, lockdown started and one of the courses that I had to redo again I was I really wanted to pass but of course I didn't have my friends to kind of discuss the questions with which um, Otto, Otto also mentioned is really important to have this conversation with your friends yeah. I couldn't do that so then I thought okay I'm just gonna email my professor have a conversation with him instead because the time that my friends take and the time that my professor takes probably they're around the same time anyway so might as well just get the right answer straight away. So then I started like emailing the professor, I think like almost every day, <laughs> and asking him like questions from each topic. And I, I passed the course quite well. And like, I think the only reason I passed was because of his help. So in the sense that there are there are still benefits from not like seeing your face <laughs> while asking questions.
0: <laughs> not seeing your face, it is almost like radio. David Gotha, don't leave me alone.
7: Don't you ever leave me, don't you ever go I've seen it on TV, I know how it goes dance her every time my head hurts every time i'm low cause i don't know if i would be alive today with or without you like night and day everything about you uncomplicated here with you every day it's a saturday but every sunday you've got me praying don't you ever leave me don't you ever go i've seen it on tv Don't you ever
0: don't leave me alone even when you are angry well don't leave the students alone but the students don't leave each other alone let me quote uh, from a university where i was teaching at some point in time where every other year teachers were given another class to teach which is very difficult because you have to prepare it but their saying was if you do it this way then the first year the teacher learns the topic the second year the students learn And the third year, no one learns. So this novelty of interaction, being surprised by the difficulty and then chatting about it is apparently a very important aspect. And I can also imagine that the interaction among students even is important with the new digital tools. Let's see what Audit has to say about this or how Kerry looks into this aspect.
2: Yeah I, I mentioned before maybe just just to come back to the story about using Discord it it was surprising to me how uh, it made everything much more democratic in terms of knowledge sharing uh, students will will throw a question into a server and out of nowhere another student will pick up the thread and just try to answer it and normally uh, like like just we just heard from Limi it's it's normally these questions aren't some, some, some sort of misunderstanding. It doesn't have to be fundamental to the topic. It's something that you missed a cue somewhere or you didn't understand a certain formula and then you're sort of lost. And a certain, another student who have seen this and has the, the insight can help you very quickly along the way. And it really creates chains of knowledge transfer. If I look at the threads of the course, I see certain topics just being discussed by several students and everybody can watch it. So they also learn from reading. So it, it's really, really effective way of learning.
3: Uh, Yeah, you know, I wanted to share with you all one very interesting thing uh, I was reading the other day in the article in which they mentioned one of the, in one of the universities, uh, students uh, and professors, uh, they were actually sitting in the class and, you know, with social distancing and with mask on, but students were not able to uh, hear what the professor wanted to say or was, you know, teaching. So in that case, the professor had to shout because the mask was on.
5: (laughs) So,
3: Audit, what do you, uh, we want to understand, you know, from you, the best possible ways to overcome this crisis in terms of education?
2: Yeah, so what I found the best possible way for me, but it's it's very specific to everybody, is to be very critical when you post video material online. Um, I have a daughter, she's uh, almost going to be 20 in in summer, and she studies in Nijmegen, she studies artificial intelligence. And she told me very quickly when I was preparing for teaching in the third quarter. She told me, "Whatever you do, don't post last year's videos, as they were raw data on the. Because nobody watches this; it's too long. We cannot stand this." And I thought, I mean, this is the best I have. I have, I mean, the video lecture from last year are the best material I have. If I sit in front of my laptop, I'm not going to be better, because when I stand in front of the classroom, I'm at my best. It's not at home that I'm at my best. Just, and then she made me think, and then I said, okay, I have to cut these videos into size that are digestible. I have to make them interactive. And that takes a lot of effort, but it's extremely rewarding for me because these tools give me analytics. So now the questions, I put questions in the, le- in the video and the few students fail the questions, I can go in the live Q&A and say, hey, remember this question from my live from the video? I can tell you what the answer is. It's fantastic. It's really inspiring.
1: But well, that mean, that means also a lot of additional editing work and. Those yes. Things. Yes, I spend nights editing. Yes, yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: So we we can can we say that you know uh, if uh, the university or colleges make uh, the place more uh, safe for the students, so it is better that they come back to the classes uh, on weekly basis, or uh, you know, uh, and then that is a better idea. To go ahead Dimi. <laughs> oh that's okay
4: <laughs> well i mean if, if we have this problem of we're not we're not able to understand the professor like you were uh, saying the incident charisma yeah if that's the case then probably not would rather okay. understand the professor um i think that's the most important thing
5: mm-hmm.
4: but of course if if everything's fine and we can understand the professor and we can still be at the university then
3: that's the ideal situation yeah you would want to come back and uh, engage with the professor and your uh, fellow mates. Definitely. I think it's not just
4: also the engaging, that's number one, but I think just a simple act of, I mean, it sounds a bit silly, but moving from one lecture hall to another and like moving from one building to the other, having that little bit of like a, a little of walk and like sort of rushing Absolutely. to the next class, yeah, and, like a little bit of, I don't know, it, it gives you more active as well. Whereas yeah. now you're just switching from one meeting to the other meeting, and it's a bit like training psychologically and physically as well, just staring at your screen from nine to five. So
3: exactly, yeah. I used to feel the same way because you know, in my uh, PR agency, whenever we used to have events for the clients, so I was the one who used to be like super excited. Yes, going on media rounds, writing press releases, doing press kits, and you know, doing venue recce and everything. And all of my colleagues used to be say used to say, "Come on, Karishma, you really like this part of PR." So I can understand living.
2: (laughs) I think normality is what we all seek, I think. I know at some point during the lockdown, I just took my bicycle every morning, cycled to the university, turned back and went back home. Oh, really? Because that was my routine. Yeah, that was (laughs) just my routine. And except for the exercise, which is nice, it was just a a way to start the day, which felt normal because staying at home is not normal. Uh, uh, These kind of things. And for students, it's the same. If they could do something like this, just fake the, the, the university experience, whatever it means, it could help. Sure.
4: Yeah, I've also read like some people go on a morning morning walk, they dress yeah. up and just go on a walk and it makes them feel like they're going to work. And then yeah. they just come
3: back or, yeah. or they
4: listen to like the podcast, they usually listen to when yeah. they travel to work yeah.
3: on the car. Work-life balance, yeah, work-life yeah. balance. You know, exactly. with, the, with the help of these tools, uh, you know, uh, Microsoft meetings and all those tools, you can block your actually block your calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, from this time to this time, lunch. From this time to this time, uh, yeah. you know, you yeah. you you out for work. So it's interesting. Oh, oh, to- think, hmm? yeah, there is
0: also a management style which is called management by walking around, and I know <laughs> of people who put in their agenda MBWA. And no one understood what kind of very, very important meeting that was, but it was left empty in the agenda and not uh, conflicting with other meetings. But it was just time to walk around and to uh, casually see what is um, happening, to hear how things are progressing and and so on. It's also pretty well known that most of the inventions at Philips or the other companies are made at the coffee machine. So this quick informal setting uh, can lead to a lot of... uh, also innovative ideas, bright ideas, uh, but also the socializing is, is apparently key. Yeah, that's very
2: true. I agree completely. And that's something we are really missing in university. This interaction is, is essential. That's true.
0: We had a meeting with Lara Hofstra. Limi, you can remember that podcast. Yeah. She yeah. was also promoting these kind of things, particularly among the international students. Yeah,
4: I remember quite well because yeah, she was also referring to how especially first years. And I think there was a lot of content, a lot of articles, a lot of videos made on this already in the TV. Um, But how international students especially feel really lonely and especially first year international students, because they move to a different country with hopes of meeting new people, meeting a new culture and studying there and just leaving their family and friends behind and suddenly just in their room quarantining, first of all, in the beginning. But that's okay. And then they hope to go to university and meet their peers. But yeah, it's, it's hard. And yeah, also today I also watched a, watched a video of a girl who was talking about this and how she really wanted to go back home, but she couldn't because it was also from South, South Africa. And South Africa, as we know, has the new uh, mutation. So then it was just completely banned and she couldn't go home for Christmas. And yeah, it's just, it's tough. Tough, yeah.
1: Yeah. Very
0: tough. Let's continue tough. this interesting discussion, how to communicate and how to interact in corona times. <music> Music on radio for BrainBot. And we are talking about information sharing in Corona times. What are reliable sources of information? Because this is also a moment that with an overload of information, we hear a lot of stories about fake news it is easy to spread fake news that will become worse in future if deep fakes are easily possible um or that there may be problems about how students which papers to 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 rely on so educating uh, students may be an important aspect but i can also imagine uh carry that that it is interesting to see where people get reliable information
3: Yeah, uh, you know, I wanted to share um, this interesting read again, Uh, a renowned PR agency conducted a survey recently, and they asked uh, the workers in 10 countries what they considered the most credible source of information about COVID. So 63% of respondents said that they would believe uh, in the information about the virus coming directly from the employer. 63% 63% of them said, and rest said from the media or, uh, you know, from the colleague, but direct from the employer. So I would like to ask Peter or Audit that, you know, how, how do you maintain that kind of trust or relationship during these difficult times with your um, employees?
1: Well, I think um, we are a small company. And uh, both well, we were three people. so my colleagues are well educated. Um, and um, we talk about we talk about COVID in, in, in relation to the business, so to speak. So it's more about what do you think? should we do this? should we do that regarding the, the, the conferences? And uh, so it's, I don't think that, that I am or as, as I'm the employer, I am the right source because they're well, they're well educated. They read a lot. We talk a lot, so I don't think uh, in, in in my case,
0: that mm.
1: I am the, uh, the, the 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 source for for for, for COVID-related information. To be honest, but we okay. discuss a lot about it.
2: I think yeah. the university is doing. Uh, I th- I think they have a good advisor when it comes to communication because I think the university has been. Extremely proactive in providing information about COVID to students. It started a bit slow, but at some point when they got started, they were very effective. So information was slower, at least for the teachers. I hope, for, I hope students got the yeah. same information as we got. I don't know, Lemi. Yeah, it's
4: it's quite, Yeah, I, I would. I would also agree. They're doing quite a yeah. job. job yeah. yeah.
2: So that that was really really good because yeah, in, indeed you uh, you are looking for some some uh, some guarantees, some some facts that yeah, you can exactly, lean on and. University is, is as a source of knowledge, of course, but also as an organization is a place where you are very comfortable in listening to what they have to say and what they consider to be a reasonable decision. So, yeah.
3: So, the messaging has to be very clear and simple. Come This, again, coming from a, a person who has worked uh, in a PR agency, the messaging has to be very, very clear and simple. For example, Walmart, uh, recently um, I read that their messaging was 6 which means 6, the gap uh, of standing, uh, you know, the distance should be 6 feet. feet, 20 uh, seconds, you have to wash your hands for 20 seconds. And if you have 100 degrees temperature, you should stay at home. Oh,
2: Oh, once you explain it, it's easy.
1: But if I heard for the first time, I would not go
2: there.
1: Yes,
3: 6-20-100. But I
1: think I think it depends very much on the size of the company and how many I mean the university is I mean uh, how many students ten thousand fifteen thousand students yeah, couple yeah. thousand employees uh, so and it's a com- continuous interaction between people that's a different type of company than than my company or even small software or, or, or service companies or something yeah. like.
3: Sure. Absolutely. Co- clear and communications and uh, very simple messaging really yeah. helps.
0: Does that also apply to highly educated people who may want to have a little bit more details about reproduction numbers and the statistics rather than the only uh, very much simplified messaging from Dutch government?
2: Yeah, if you, if you like numbers, you can drown in them, I guess. I think in the Netherlands at least... <laughs> uh the the RIVM, the dutch uh, immunological service or whatever it's called is is yeah you can get the pie chart on any possible uh, variant of the data i mean it's fantastic at some point actually uh, the nice thing about the dutch uh, national broadcast is is he always tries to to qualify the data in a way that actually says something because just watching the numbers of infected people yeah
0: what does it oh, from Eindhoven University of Technology, Peter Hermans, yakayima.eu, Limi Karapura child student at the university, and Kerry Witsch. I would like to thank you all for preparing this uh, podcast today. And we are running at Radio for BrainPod up to the news of nine o'clock.